Got another show on tap here tonight. Well, today. Whenever you're listening. We are, as always, Lollygagging Sports. I am Bo Reed along with Samantha Button and Matthew Irby. We're going to continue our preview of the upcoming MLB season tonight. Samantha, can you believe it? We've crossed the halfway point in our preview, which means opening day is... I can almost smell the hot dogs and taste the beer at this point. We're that close. We're almost there. Thank goodness. It's been way too long. We're getting into the goofy part of spring training where we see major league teams playing exhibition games against WBC teams <laughs> to disastrous results. Um, if what's happened so far on Wednesday is any indication. Uh, but, you know. The DR beat the crap out of Atlanta, and the Guardians beat the crap out of Mexico. None of which is really all that surprising. But uh, <laughs> the Cubs were almost it. The, Cu- the Cubs were also the last I looked handling Team Canada. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so and some, someone was beating on Oakland, I think, which is unsurprising. Like probably some really really crappy. You know, like what is it? What are the really bad ones? Great Britain or something? Where I, I saw something. Today Israel. Where it was like team Israel. Israel. They're not even. They're not even as bad. Like they have some legit major leaguers. Like I saw something today that was like, here's the best player on every WBC team, and the gentleman who is the best player on the British team is a guy called Harry Ford, and wow. one of my children who is deeply interested in the country of Great Britain um, for reasons we shall not discuss here um, because they don't have anything to do with baseball. It's like, who's Harry Ford? And I'm like, I don't know, dude. Like, <laughs> they don't have any major leakers on that team. <laughs> like, whoever this guy is the best British player out there is not even MLB worthy, so yikes. Uh, Harry <laughs> Harry Ford? Is that the Harry. short for Harrison? Oh. You think it's Harrison Ford? He's not British, though. Um, Still probably is better than Harry Ford. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, but doesn't it? It sounds like a generic British guy name, right? Harry Harry mm-hmm. Ford, yeah. um, Harry Ford, <laughs> Harry Potter. Um, oh man, we're we're, we're already diving this, into the bad British accent. I was about to say it, it, five minutes into the show. Is this the so. second week in a row where you've you've yeah. tossed out a British accent? Okay, just making sure I'm not losing my mind here and and you know thinking things that aren't happening. Um, oh, well, time capsule update. We're going to get another bad accent. Yes. Okay. All right. One, one you've heard before. Oh, so, warning, warning. That gives you a little hint as to the year. Um, <laughs> we, we have a movie here that's coming. I'm sure everybody who listens to the show knows what it is. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Well, first we have to talk about the National League Central. We have to, we have to do that first. Uh, so <laughs> let's get on that. Um, as, as we've done the last three weeks, uh, again, we're, we're going to talk about uh, a, key, a key point or two with each one of these teams. We're going to look at the uh, projections via fan graphs for what their season is going to look like and play our game of over-under. So, Samantha, let's start with those Cardinals. I know we can go pitching here. We can go outfield. I, I personally think the outfield is the most interesting point. Like the, it, it's it's kind of like the, the, that that whole thing. Like you know, you have a, you have a, you have a taco watch and a taco warning. They got the taco watch, but how are they going to fit these pieces together to get the taco warning in the outfield? The hell is a taco warning? Is that like a tornado warning? Yes, it's exactly what it is. Well done, Bo. Well done. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're welcome. so happy over here right now. 
How, how is this outfield coming together is really what I was asking. I don't know if it involves tacos. Um, what, should? But, <laughs> most things should. I mean, let's face it. Right. Most things are improved by tacos. Um, but, yeah, tacos aside, um, the, I think we know who the players are here, right? Like, we, we know who the personnel is going to be. It's more a matter of who's going to play where, and some of that is health-related center fields in particular. You know, when we look at Carlson and figure out, okay, well, who can eat the most games, essentially, at any particular position? But they have four people in the mix, so that's three plus the utility. It's more just a matter of, like, who's getting the everyday start at these particular spots, and is it going to solve the problems that they had a year ago where they were a little bit thin here in terms of depth, mostly relating, of course, again, to injury, you know, and can you count on sort of the level of, like, let's say ceiling production, for lack of a better way of putting it, from these guys here, assuming that everybody is relatively healthy. All right, Irby, same question. Um, I guess we can use the taco warning and taco watch with you as well, but what do you think here? How's this outfield going to shake out? Yeah, St. Louis took that gamble last year. When you make the trade and you send off Harrison Bader away and you bring in Jordan Montgomery, you kind of knew what you were getting. And I mean, yeah, on on paper, everybody's healthy. You know, the the O'Neill Carlson new bar is not a terrible lineup. But I uh, I don't know. This feels like you know when when you see what they've been doing in spring training and, and what they have there. It I don't want to call these guys like quad A players, but it seems like you got a bunch of bunch of fourth outfielders, third and fourth outfielders, and you're trying to make it stick. And it's likely, um, I, I think we've seen that with St. Louis, if you could kind of take that mojo of like Yadi Molina gone and move it into the outfield, and it just, it's just going to work, because that's what we've seen from this team. It just somehow all works. Um, so, I, I was, it could be much worse. Uh, we look at some of these outfields throughout of baseball and yes, the situation could be a whole lot worse. You know, there are a lot of ifs here, but the fortunate thing for St. Louis <laughs> when answering all these ifs, which we don't like, we don't like too many ifs, but the fortunate thing for them is you play in the National League Central. So yeah. you really do have six months of answering ifs and then you just gotta put it together at the end and you can win this division. Well I mean look, Smith the one thing they did, you know, obviously they they, they had to replace Yadi Molina. So they go out and they sign Wilson Contreras. It, there's always a plan B. There's, there's always something they, they can go to to replace. Uh, now, I, I don't know if, if Wilson Contreras is going to replace Yachty in terms of replacing Yachty. I don't think anyone can do that. We have to temper those expectations. But they went out and got a player that's going to help them avoid a huge falloff at that position, which is what they seem to do every time they lose a player of this caliber. Yeah, and this was, I mean, it was a little bit of an unusual move for them because, well, first of all, it's almost like a philosophical shift in what to do with the catching position to go to somebody who you're primarily paying for offense um, as opposed to defense and handling the pitchers. And I know there's some questions about defense and, and that sort of thing with Gutierrez, but there is no doubt that he is a good hitter. Uh, so that's a little bit different for St. Louis. We haven't really seen that out of them, but, you know, you have the opportunity to kind of take a, a weapon away from a, a divisional rival, not that I think that the Cubs are a particular threat to the Cardinals at this point in time. And, and this contract 
I mean, with Contreras, may not look great on the back end, especially if he has to move off of the position, which I think is a pretty real possibility. And if defensively it's a mess, and it very well could be, but, you know, you're getting back, which is not something that you had previously, and I know it's going to be an adjustment for those guys, and, you know, it's got to be weird for, for Wayno in his last year, right? He was always thrown to Yachty. Uh, something a little bit different here, but they're they're going to get a little more offense out of the mm-hmm. position, which is, is interesting for St. Louis, a, a team that has not prioritized that in the past and, and has been, you know, one of, you know, major league teams seem to go one way or the other. Either they want a bat there and they're willing to sacrifice the defense or they want somebody who handles pitchers. And I, I think it's a, a fine choice for them, but it is interesting to, to see that change there. Kind of makes you wonder how they're going to replace Wainwright, doesn't it? Once he's done. Yeah, I mean, he's, I mean, he's kind of a replacement level pitcher at this point. Right, right. So, sure. Certainly. A, <laughs> he's what, third? I think you'd say he's the third guy in the rotations, probably. So. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's number one for Team USA in the WBC, though. So, you know, he's got that going for him. Oh, WBC teams are so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Irby, anything you want to add here before we play over-under? No, no, it's just that uh, I, I still am not ruling out that Wainwright might get into his first start of the season, throw one pitch, look in, go, wait, that's my Yachty. I retire. It's possible. Just do, just do the one pitch. I'm out. This is ridiculous. I can't. Nothing against Wilson, but it's like, no, it's not Yachty. I can't if, do this. If that happens, I'm going to be laughing all the way to the All-Star break, if not farther. Because that would be funny as hell. <laughs> all right. The... Uh, Fangrass projection for the Cardinals, Samantha, is 86 wins. Where are you going to fall in on this one, over or under? I'll take the over on that. Um, I, I'm not sure. I think this is going to be like a super high win team. And I, I think high 80s probably does win this division realistically, but I was thinking more like 88 or 89, so I feel pretty okay about taking the over. It wouldn't surprise me if they got into the low 90s. 86 feels reasonable but conservative. Yeah. yeah. Irby, how about you? Yeah, I'm the same. Uh, taking the over here, this is a 93-win team last year. I don't see that happening again, so a little bit of a step back, but not too much just because of the division you're in. So, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take over 86. Yeah, I think I think they can get to ninety. So I'm gonna take the over. I think they can get to ninety. I'm not giving them much more than ninety, but I think they can actually get to ninety. So we'll see. I mean, a lot of these, some of these projections are we, we've we've been seeing they've been low. And I'm wondering how much of that is the balanced schedule that we're gonna have this year, as opposed to being able to beat up on your division. Which, if you're in the NL Central. There's a lot of opportunity to do that, isn't it, Smith? It's just, it's just a lot. Oh, well, wait till we get to the next team. Like, I, I'm pretty sure if I'm, if I'm correct about who comes next, I think this is one of those teams that's going to get, like, blasted by the balance schedule. This is Ooh. where we going here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I believe you're expecting us to go brew crew out of Milwaukee, and you're absolutely yeah. correct. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about these Brewers. Uh, you know, a, a little bit of a dust up this offseason with Corbin Burns, which seems to have exposed like 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 not necessarily explosive Brewers, but like because we've always seen this with them, how they approach players. You know, because they'll develop the player, they'll develop the prospect. They'll they'll take full advantage of what that prospect can give them during the pre-arb years. But once they can start getting tipping towing towards that free agency mark, 
things change with how the Brewers operate in, in terms of that player. I think we saw that with Corbin Burns this offseason. Yeah, I I think I feel a little bit differently about this than perhaps a lot of people do in that I, I think that we come away from arbitration hearings always thinking it's so mean, right? And, and Burns was very vocal about it. He clearly had some hurt feelings um, after his arbitration hearing, which is, is common, and it's why a lot of teams try to avoid arbitration because you are going to go into a battle where somebody is going to say horrible things about you and explain why you're worth less money than you think you are. And then you're going to go, you know, give them your service. So it's not a great system. Um, It is also the system we have and everybody knows how it works. And Corbin Burns being like butthurt about the, Brewers saying or implying, I guess I should say, that he was the reason they didn't make the playoffs feels a little bit too much of this. Athletes have feelings too. And it's like, yes, yes, they do. Um, but I, I think it's a little bit of like abuse of privilege there because this is the same arbitration hearing that everybody goes through. And if I'm the Brewers, and I know nobody likes this, but business is business, they are not going to be able to re-sign him. They cannot afford to. So why on earth would they pay him more in the meantime? They don't Mm -hmm. have a vested interest in preserving a relationship with him because he's not going to sign there. So why would they want to give him more money? Out of the goodness of their hearts? No. Like, you, you play nice in arbitration because you want to pursue a future relationship with that particular player. They're not going to be able to afford him. They weren't going to be able to afford him even if they were nice to him in the arbitration hearing. So I'm not sure that it is the responsibility of a baseball team to spare someone's feelings in arbitration who is going to go to a higher bidder than they are in the very near future. So I'm not Mm -hmm. that sympathetic to Corbin Burns. Also, we all know how arbitration works, right? So Mm -hmm. it's like, look, you know, like we can fault the Brewers for their tendency, like you were alluding to, to allow these things to get to arbitration more often than they should, because you're right about that. They, they do do that, that they're not great about that. They're not a team that is particularly good about avoiding arbitration, but why they would choose to avoid arbitration with a guy like that, who's going to be very expensive, mm-hmm. who they don't have any chance of realistically signing in the future. Like, I mean, I'm sure he's going to sit there and his agent's going to sit there and tell you that, Oh, well, he would have considered signing for below market value, <laughs> excuse me, um, until this happened. That was never going to happen. So, right. I mean, if I'm the Brewers, this is just a smart business decision. Like, sorry, your feelings got hurt. Like, you're a grown up. Like, stop it. I mean, it, is it this really. We always talk about fine lines in sports. Like, there's fine lines between X and X and Y or A and B, whichever whichever math equation you want to go with there. This is one of those because baseball is a business. These teams are a business. These franchises are a business. Where people like you and me get get into a little bit of a, of a tissy about these guys is when you have a team like, say, the Royals or the A. No, no, no not the Royals. I'm not, I'm not putting the Royals in this group. The A's. The Rays, they, they take all this revenue sharing money and they and they pocket it. 
right? Mm-hmm. That's that's a problem. That is something that's something you shouldn't do. But on the flip side of this is what you're talking about right now, what the Brewers are doing, which is we've got this player under under arbitration control until his six years of service time are up. Why should we overpay just to avoid the arbitration hearing when he's going to have to sign with us anyway? That's the business. Well, that's, that's the business side that actually makes sense. That's right. And and make note that the Brewers have made an effort to avoid arbitration or to let's say engage in a very friendlier form of arbitration with players who they have a realistic chance of resigning. And they're not like you said. I mean, yeah, every every team that doesn't spend could afford to spend more. But the Brewers are not the biggest offenders of this. They're not like the Rays. They're, right. they're not like the A's, where they're basically just. You know, we get what we can out of you for cheap, and then we move on. They do make an attempt to sign their players, at least those who are realistically signable for, you know, what they believe themselves to be, which is a mid-market team. So it's, I think it's important to look at, you know, what got lost in all of this and all of the outrage about how mean they were to Corbin Burns, because Corbin Burns is good, is the number of players who have come through Milwaukee's system who have, in fact, avoided arbitration because the team didn't want to sour the relationship with them because there is a chance that they could sign him. But like, they're, they're not obligated to be nice to you. Like that's not part of how this works. Like you have to be nice to people in a legal battle over money is that's not where we're at. It's a business and they're not engaging in the bad business practices that we see from other baseball teams that realistically they, they can't sign this guy. So why aren't they going to spare his feelings and waste a bunch of money like for something that that isn't going to help them. Yeah. Like, I, sorry, guys. This is probably the only time you'll ever hear me say anything nice about the Brewers. Um, <laughs> but like, they're not wrong here. Irby, how about you? What, what do you think about all this? Season hasn't started. We always say nice things about the Brewers. Once they hit the field, then it's really their fault. Yeah. It, I like this is this is a product of what you wanted players and owners. You know the seen we've I, I, we've talked about it some here on the show but i know the three of us have talked about it a lot of how baseball used to be years decades ago where it is kind of you joined a team and you kind of spent pretty much your whole career there you stayed in one place and once you open this thing up to free agency and, and the trade markets and all this stuff it constant moving you know it you, you, you became, yeah, it, it, there's freedoms for players of, you know, oh, I can find better opportunities and, okay, well, you know, I, we can go grass is greener our conversation all day long. But, but the reality is, is once you open that up, you opened it up for a business aspect too. And it is a, a numbers game. It is a business game. It is a dollars and cents. It is a plus and minus. It, it, all those things. So, yeah, Corbin Burns is a person and, 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 I, yeah, it sucks that, you know, things like that happen, but it, like you said, Samantha, it's the process. This is what it is. You knew you knew walking into that room what it was going to be, or, 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 you're, or you're incredibly naive, but you knew it was going to be, and as long as this is a business of keeping teams afloat, and Milwaukee's definitely one of them, kind of seems like they're fighting the battle just to stay within their state at times, but uh, because they're doing that, yeah, you have to make a financial decision here, and I couldn't agree more of this was one where, yeah, it, this is not ending with Corbin birds in the uniform. What is it, it's next year. You know, so I, yeah, sorry that it, you got your feelings hurt. Um, 
Great. How much are you getting paid? Shut your mouth and get the job done. Like, like get out there and get the job done. I, I can't, you know, it is what it is. I'm not a, I, I don't like that phrase that much, but this is the perfect time to use it. It is what it is, Corbin. Get to work. You know, you know, something to that, like you, it, a year from now, whenever, whenever he has free agency, if I'm in one of those pressure cooker cities like New York, I'm not signing Corbin Burns. He's whining. He's whining about his arbitration contract. What's what's going to happen when 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 he's in that melt in that in that pressure cooker of Manhattan or Queens? What's going to happen? Yeah, then? yeah. Well, and and don't forget too that like he he and his agent like Corbin Burns isn't stupid, and neither is his agent. They are playing the PR game too, and they know that that fan base was upset about the Brewers. Say lack of activity coming down the stretch. Yeah, uh, last season, so they're playing into that. Like, why do you think they shared that piece of information? That in the art hearing, they implied that it was his fault. There's no reason to put that out there other than to like stoke the flames of a fan base that is already upset about the way that things went during that particular period of time, who, yeah. you know, who are going to side with the player. And, and rightly so. We, we want people siding with players, not with billionaires, right? Like sure. That's generally what we want. Like, don't defend the billionaires. It's just that in this case, unfortunately, the billionaires were right. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Corbin Burns and his agent were very aware of what the PR climate in Milwaukee is right now and how the fans feel about that. And they use that to their advantage. Otherwise, you would never even put that piece of information out there. Like, there's a reason we don't hear the mean things that teams say in our hearings all the time because it's not in the best interest of the player to share that. They put that out there voluntarily. Like, think about why. <laughs> Uh, the the only time of year Lee Stevens is mentioned arbitration time. All right, the Brewers Samantha are projected for eighty four wins. What are you taking, the over or the under? I think I'm going to take the under here. Um, as previously alluded to, I think this is a team that's going to get hammered by the balance schedule. Um, it's not impossible, I, I think, for them to go over. Uh, they're still. I think it's still kind of thin uh, in the sort of middling ranks in the National League, so they're not entirely out of playoff contention. They're certainly a decent bet to finish second in this division, but second in this division might not require 84 wins. And I think that this is definitely a team that's in that group that is really going to struggle with the balanced schedule, much as kind of like what we said about the sort of second and third place teams in the AL Central. It's going to be rough on teams like that. Watch them tank in the first half and trade it and trade Burns to the Yankees or the Mets. Then I can go back and, re- can and replay that audio from just a few minutes, a few seconds ago. Oh, I can see it happening. And then when he has his first meltdown, he yeah. drops. I mean, like, we're like, <laughs> I'll just pull the clip. Irby, how about you? 84 wins. You taking the over or the under? Uh, I'm also taking the under here. Uh, that's that's a drop-off from last year, 86 last year, but we saw great hot start and then incredibly mediocre down the road the, the end of the season, and I think it continues on here. Um, so, yes, I, I will take the under, and I'll even add a little bonus there for you. I don't have the Briars finishing in the top two in this division. They'll finish Ooh. third or worse. Oh. Ooh. See, 
now I know the I, I know the club you're going to put second, and I have I have questions, but we're going to talk about them. Here. It's not Cincinnati. There, <laughs> of course. I have them third as well in the division. Actually, Ooh, so. my goodness, both of you lighten up the board. Okay, listen, uh, I'm also taking the under. I don't know if I'm taking them below the next team, but I could be convinced. Uh, but I'm definitely taking the under. I don't think the Brewers get to 81 wins, much less 84. Let's talk about those Chicago Cubbies. They made a lot of moves this offseason. Now, Samantha, we talked earlier when we previewed the National League East about how Cohen and the Mets were tagged with this reckless spending label should it have been put on the Cubs? Because they were all over the place with the things that they did. I'm not sure what their goal is for this year. Yeah, it's not so much that it's reckless spending in the sense that it's excessive. It's that it's sort of disorganized in a way. Because, like, all right, like, let's go back to two seasons ago when the Cubs and the Nationals both had their big sell-offs. When they traded everybody. They traded Rizzo. They traded Bryant. And they traded out by us, and everybody, everybody loved. Everybody loved. And we were pretty happy with the return the Cubs got. Um, mm-hmm. I think we compared it to the Nationals and said, hey, look, they did a lot better um, in terms of what they got back here. They so they rebuilt what was a just absolutely decimated farm system, which, hey, no complaining about that. Flags fly forever. You decimated your farm system to break the World Series curse in 2016. Ain't nobody sorry that that happened. But you did, there was a a pretty dramatic rebuild that needed to happen there. So the teardown was fairly complete, and they they did a pretty good job, I think, of getting good return there, and the team is kind of starting to come together in that sense. But, yeah, some weird stuff here. Um, I, I don't know, I mean, what the end goal is for this. Like, are we saying, like, hey, let's bring in Cody Bellinger to allow Cody Bellinger to bet on Cody Bellinger? Like, what a lovely favor to do to for Cody Bellinger. And I'm not necessarily saying that's stupid. I mean, if there's a guy who's going to benefit from the, the shift restrictions, like, there's potentially your guy. So, huge bounce-back opportunity for him and a chance for him to kind of prove himself in a, a situation that's not entirely bad on a team that's not entirely uncompetitive. But a whole bunch of contracts like that seems kind of weird. And it started last year, too. It started a year ago when they, they started doing kind of weird stuff in this way. Last year as well. And we're like, what are you doing? You're not there yet. And they are further along now. But sort of a strange, I think, way to approach things. Um, it would be different if they were locking themselves into long-term contracts with young players uh, who are coming into free agency, but instead we're, we're kind of letting people do this one-off. It's, it's very piracy, you know, with better quality players, obviously, or higher ceiling players, I guess I should say, but very piracy. So we're going to sign a bunch of veterans. Like, let's get some butts into the seats. People want to see Andrew McCutcheon or whatever. Like, um, But it's kind of a weird strategy for a team that I think is very much headed in the right direction that I think maybe pulled the trigger a little bit too early on this kind of stuff. So, yeah, it feels like, I don't know if I'd call it reckless spending in the way that Steve Cohen was falsely accused of, but it it definitely doesn't feel like the smartest way to spend your money, but, but we shall see. We shall see. You know, I mean... Yeah, they they... They were all over the map. 
<laughs> look because you know every every time we set one of these previews, you know we look at the transactions over the off season, and it, it didn't fit on my computer screen the number of free agent moves they had made. Now, granted, that also includes the the five billion minor league deals they signed, but that's neither here nor there. Irby, how about you? What, what are you thinking here with the Cubs and where they're looking at for uh, for this season? Yeah, like you said, it, it's it's a different move. It's it's a little bit odd of what they're doing, but it, I, I don't know. I, I'm I get it. Of I'm not a yeah, and I guess this is this comes from dealing with the last six seven years of being a Ranger fan and living but living and dying by the one run or the one year deals and the and the stuff like that and watching it pop out in a positive that and I like the moves like the Cody Bellinger. I know that's what we were all saying, but it's, it's a combination of that from the Cubs. It's, I, mean, I you know, the, the, the rotation, you know, you look at there, the big addition there was Talion. They're betting on Hendricks coming back and coming back semi-healthy. Um, and so when you look at that with Talion in there, it's like, yeah, that's Stroman, Talion, Hendricks. Like, that's awesome. That's great. And that's something that you can build from. And, the bullpen, it's like, okay, you know, Michael Fulmer's in the conversation for closer. I'm like, okay, that's odd, but 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 I'm here to learn, and I'm here to listen. I And, and then the, all throughout the infield, you know, the, the Dansby Swanson, I can almost look at this as similar to what the Rangers did with Seager a couple of years ago, um, or last year, I guess. It was, you know, it's the it's beginning year. of that. Yeah, last year. It's, it's the beginning steps, and, and it's, you know, you, you finally moved on from some of those contracts and the, the rebuild, and you, you're you no longer paying Jason Hayward, and that's great. And I It's a product of the division as well, and I think this is also looking at the expanded playoffs. I, the Cubs, for all the issues you had last year, for, for all the problems, for all the rebuild and everything, you were 13 games out of making the playoffs. And that's a big jump. Don't get me wrong. That's a big jump. But it's not that crazy of a jump. Uh, with, with, with the Milwaukee team in front of you that we talked about as, as definitely taking steps backwards. This is not that crazy. Um, and, I, and I'm not saying the Cubs are a playoff team, but this has the potential to be in the conversation. Like, like we've seen jumps like this before where they can be playing, 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 sorry, they can be playing meaningful games come August and September. You know, this actually might be where the the actual you know, the, the the whole wild card format that they put in last year actually becomes a little bit more reasonable. I guess is the, for lack of a better word, because now you actually have everyone playing each other. So now you actually have instead of wildcard teams that get in because they beat up on a bad division, they actually have to all play each other now. And that's where a team like the Cubs could come in. And, you know, Samantha, I actually have to wonder, is there something that, that the Cubs front office, be it, you know, in, in the minor league system last year, maybe they saw it in winter ball, where they see something coming with some of these young players and these young prospects that we just haven't seen yet? Yeah, I think to an extent, I mean, I, there are some I think, mixed opinions on, you know, Jed Hoyer and his approach to minor league development and whether it's really sustainable or not. But um, I, 
I absolutely agree that the they saw something that indicates that within reason they think they they feel closer than perhaps a lot of us feel that they are. And the expanded playoffs, which for the record, I like this. I think it's great because this is what we want, right? We always complain about mm-hmm. oh, these teams that are on the cusp that sell at the deadline. The point of the expanded playoffs was to create a situation where more teams would feel like they were in the mix and would motivate them to keep spending and to buy rather than sell at the deadline and to kind of stay in the hunt. And that's exactly what we're seeing here from this team. So they're doing what we all said we wanted to see, which is essentially so that we're not talking about, you know, the the same eight or nine teams every year and then everybody else is just out. Mm -hmm. Like, this is good. That that is the expanded playoffs working. I'm all for it. I think it's great. I think that's exactly what they're doing is eyeing up one of those back end wild card spots and like balanced schedule does come into play here, but so does a bad division. So they are in a position, I think, especially if the Brewers are heading in the wrong direction as we suspect that they might be, mm-hmm. to go in there and, and at the very least be the conversation, as you mentioned early late in the season for one of those playoff spots. So what the heck? Why not? Right? Like I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's great. I don't know that I think it's smart, but this is an entertainment product, and the Cubs are playing the game the way that we want people to play the game. What well, is entertaining? <laughs> Give me that, Irby. Anything you want to add here before we play over under? No, 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 no. I'm good. Um, I think I, I kind of tipped my hand, and then maybe we did the same with what, what's oh, coming up here next. You both did. I know exactly what you're doing, but I have to ask. It's 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 in the bylaws. So Samantha, <laughs> the Cubs are projected for 75 wins. Are you taking the over or the under? Yeah, I will take the over on that. I, I feel pretty good taking the over on that, even if Milwaukee can keep it together. But the 75 is not that many wins for a, a team like this that has decent pitching that worked a lot to get better during the offseason. I don't know that they're building towards what they think they are, which I think is sort of the problem that we're all running into with this. Is like, well, we're not saying it won't help them to sign all these players. What we're saying is that like you probably overpaid for Swenson, you definitely overpaid for Tyon. Bellinger's probably not signing with you without you committing a lot of money to it. It's not very sustainable over the long haul. But if the goal was just to get back in the conversation, then, yeah, absolutely. I think 75 wins, very doable. Potential back-end wild card, not likely, but possible. Possible. Irby, how about you? 75 is the number, right? That's what you said? Yes, 75. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, Wow, that's... Yeah, definitely over. Um, 74 team win last year, 75. Yeah, this is more than one step. This is not the same thing. I I agree with this, with the analysis of not exactly sure what you're building and the direction you're going, but it is going to get better um, than the 74 and 88 team last year. So, yeah, I'm, I'm taking the over and finishing second. That's the one. Cubs finishing second. You know, I don't disagree, per se, with the Cubs finishing second. I just think it's going to be close. I, I think second and third in, in the NL Central is going to be separated by a game or two. But I'm also taking the over, because I think both the Cubs and the Brewers are going to hit 80. The question is, which one gets 81 or 82? That's, that's the question for me. All right. Next on the list, those Pittsburgh Pirates... 
you know, it's interesting, uh, Samantha, because the Pirates did, well, at least they attempted to do, that's probably the better way of going about this. They attempted to do a, a piece of a rebuild that I'm very much a fan of, which is get those veterans in on one-year deals that you could flip at the deadline to pump more talent into your farm system and try to, to not necessarily take a shortcut with the rebuild because it's, it's become regular practice now, so it's not really a shortcut. Now it's just a cut, right? But what the Pirates... I, I don't know that they're getting a lot back for, for Rich Hill. Really? You're, you're going to get a lot back for Rich Hill? The only one of these veteran signings that made sense was McCutcheon. Right, and that made sense for a very different reason. Um, that, yes. that made sense because you have to have some reason to get people to the ballpark in Pittsburgh. So, because the problem with this rebuild, and I'm using air quotes when I say rebuild. Oh, that came that, through. That sarcasm like, came through. <laughs> I, <laughs> is that they're not really rebuilding, right? Because they're not willing to commit to it. Like Pirates, until we see an ownership change, this is never going to change. Oh, I'm sorry, Pirates fans. You, you deserve better than this. But, like... It's not going to matter. Like they're they're very good at developing talent. We know this. We also know they're going to trade it all away as soon as it starts to cost money. And so they're just kind of filling out the roster with these one year deals, which all makes sense except for the fact that we know what the pattern is with the Pirates. It's not going to change. All it does is make them significantly better than the Reds, and it brings in some fans because, like, okay, you know, Andrew McCutcheon. Who doesn't love Andrew McCutcheon? Especially in Pittsburgh, of right. course. Yeah. But like, realistically. Are Rich Hill, Austin Hedges, and Carlos Santana getting you out to the ballpark if you're a Pirates fan? Of course not. Nobody cares about these people. I mean, Austin Hedges was statistically the worst hitter in all of baseball a year ago. Absolute worst. Who met the minimum number of play appearances. Absolutely awful, right? But outstanding at managing a game as a catcher. So that's great. Like, that's a good, useful one-year deal. Sure. But that's not bringing people back, and it's not ultimately mm-hmm. changing the fate of your team. Nor is 300-year-old Rich Hill or 300-year-old Carlos Santana, neither of whom is a person that anyone has ever come out to a ballpark to see, by the way. Like, boring old man pitcher who was, like, who's been washed up, like, seven times during his career, and mm-hmm. Carlos Santana, who is probably, you know, lovely person. This is nothing against Carlos Santana, but it's, it's a longtime owner of Carlos Santana um, as a Indians and Guardians fan, uh, he's not exactly like exciting. Uh, so <laughs> these are not things that, that bring people out to the ballpark. So you got McCutcheon, that's your PR move. Hilariously, I don't think we've talked about this on the air, but I know we talked about it off air, but Pirates made hype videos for all these guys. Oh, God, which that's is right. Hilarious. Like, I mean, Andrew McCutcheon, like, I get that, you know, like the. the you know, oh, he's he's coming home. Our guy's coming back. But, like, th- there was an Austin Hedges hype video, you guys. And I, I say this as somebody who deeply loves Austin Hedges. But, like, seriously? You made a hype video for a one-year deal with Austin Hedges? Wow. <laughs> like, I mean, working pirate social team, working hard. But, yeah, this is just not going anywhere good. You know, ever. Sorry. When your social media team is working harder than your front office, that's a problem. So I put that out there. Pirates. Yeah, I, I feel bad for their front office, though. They're fighting a losing battle, right? They're, they're actually pretty good at what they do. They're just hamstrung by ownership. <laughs> so, 
it's it's not good. Oh sorry, my it's, goodness! You don't deserve this, especially the guy that brings his bird to the games. You especially don't deserve this. <laughs> Irby, how about you, buddy? Where where are you at with the pirates? Ah. Uh, I don't know. They got to figure out where they're at first before I know where I'm at. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> this is because this is you know, I, I I look up and down this. Um, I love w- w- when I do these. Just a little insight into my brain, and we'll just do it quickly so we don't people get scared. Um, I love looking at depth charts while talking about this stuff and and getting you know just a feel for the team like that, and it helps flow in the conversation, and I look at this and I see names like Brian Reynolds and O'Neill Cruz and Keith Brian Hayes, and I mean you could even throw in the Austin Hedges in there if you want as well. But 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 so many like pieces like that. Can you imagine how many teams would sit there with that core and be like, yeah, I can build off of that? And it should be, it should be something you can build off of. But I, exactly what y'all just said, I don't believe that it will be because this will be. You know, the front office can do what they're doing, but ownership's not going to back it up. And because of that, this can't grow. Well, this absolutely can't grow. It's like, it's like having a plant, but you put the ceiling a foot above the plants. Like, it can only grow to this point, and then we're going to start cutting it back. Well, that's what's maddening about the Pirates, isn't it? Because they know how to build a core, but they don't actually augment that core with you know, things out, out on the market, be a trade market, be a free agent market to finish off the team. That That's what, that's the problem. They're always half built. Well, and you can't retain a fan base that way. Like right. this is a horrible way to go at your, I mean, we see this all the time. Like there's a lot of like weird stuff and this is going to come up with the next team we're going to talk about here too, the Reds. But oh, yeah. like the, the Pittsburgh, like there are a lot of, there's a weird situation between Pittsburgh and Cleveland. And I know the football teams hate each other, but like there are, People who grew up in Northeast Ohio who root for the Steelers because the Browns were so bad they couldn't stand it. And then there are people like my husband who grew up in Pittsburgh who are diehard Steelers fans, diehard Penguins fans, who've been an Indians fan since they were a kid. Like, I I didn't turn him into into an Indians fan. Like, he was already an Indians fan when I met him. Like, and, and he's from Pittsburgh because the Pirates were just so depressing and two hours away there was this championship baseball team in the 90s that was super competitive and super fun. So you lose your fans to, like, the adjoining cities. Like, it's horrendous. And, and it, I mean, it worked both ways there. And Cleveland lost a lot of football fans to Pittsburgh. But, like, the point is, is that this kind of activity is the kind of stuff that drives people off. They go, they get a new team, and they don't come back. Like, it's not the yeah. people who are just like, I'm not going to watch you while you're bad, and then I'll start watching again. Every city has those, right? This is the kind of stuff where you do it consistently. Kids get attached when they're little to another team in a neighboring city, and they never come back. And this is why the Pirates have – this is why they have to make hype videos about Austin Hedges. Because <laughs> their fans <laughs> are blocking for the rival football city. Like, which is – I mean, not even, like, you know – Indians slash Guardians are not exactly, it's not like the Yankees, right? Like, they're, they're not winning World Series either, but they put a hell of a lot better product out there, so it made it an easy decision, and the same thing's going to happen in Cincinnati. It's bad. It's mm-hmm. bad. Irby, like, <laughs> uh, anything you want to add here before we uh, over-under this team? I no, Well, just the, the nutshell of everything of what happened, was it about five, six hours ago? Mark Mathias. Matthias, 
uh, gets DFNA'd by the Rangers, and they're actually able to pull off a trade with Pittsburgh. Yeah. And there's already chatter about Pittsburgh DFNA. <laughs> I mean, come on. <laughs> the guy hadn't had completely cleaned out his locker and gotten there, and you're already talking about, yeah, he's a DFNA candidate. I mean, how, how, do, okay. how, how does that work? You're like, yeah, we're, we're going to pull off a trade, but I guess... Don't, I guess don't go anywhere yet because you may get traded again or we're going to get dumped. There's the NBA trade. That's an NBA trade right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Like, okay. I, 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 it's great because it's a uh, player to be named later. So you know this is going to be one where he gets DFNA'd here pretty quick, doesn't make the Pirates roster, goes somewhere else. And then, like, six months later, the Rangers call and go, hey, we want this player. Why? Well, you remember you did this trade, and then Pittsburgh scrambling through the paperwork going, why do we owe them a player? Oh, we did do that. Oh, crap. <laughs> I'm curious to see what the list of players is for the player to be named later. That's where I'm curious. <laughs> All right. Uh, Fangraphs, Samantha has the Pirates projected for 72 wins. That seems high. A little bit. <laughs> that seems really high. Like, I, I mean, I, there, there's a worse team in this division, like, for sure worse. Like, significantly worse than the Pirates. But 72, I... Where are you going to get 72 wins for the Pirates? They don't get to play the Reds. If they got to play the Reds 72 times, maybe. Um, <laughs> if they got to play the Reds 40 times, maybe. But, yeah, no, not with a balanced schedule. Absolutely not. That's, no. I, I feel very comfortable taking the other. <laughs> Irby, how about you? Oof. Wow, that is a, yeah, I'm an under as well. That's a, that's a 10-win jump from last year, and I, like I love the some of the talent on here, but I don't see that as a ten win jump. Man, that is <laughs> oof. No, under the balance schedule strikes again. Uh, I'm also taking the under. Man, am I taking the under? Like like I don't know, sixty five maybe for me with this team, maybe. Yeah, I, 66 was the number I landed on. But yeah, I guess, you know, 65, 85-year-old Rich Hill apparently has like a 10 war. Wow, who knew? <laughs> Wild. Um. Maybe it's McCutcheon. He has, it's not It's not a 10 war, it's like a, a, a 10 E war, like an emotional war. He's going to add 10 emotional wins. Do we have an E war stat and I don't know about it? Because that'd be amazing. Give, give me a weekend, I'll get you one. Okay. Okay, you have the weekend. Okay, I expect it on Monday in a color-coded spreadsheet. They're always color-colored. <laughs> I know that, but if I send you a don't. if I send you a spreadsheet and it's not color-coded, it's a scam. Don't open the file. <laughs> See, I, I, I was just I, have you assumed that was a cry for help, like you'd been kidnapped or something. Yeah, well, yeah. There you go. He's that's, making that's the spreadsheet against his will. Send help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one more before we hop into that time capsule. Uh, those Cincinnati Reds, Samantha, I, I, I honestly don't want to talk about what they have on the field because it's that bad. Yeah, I, I, I really just, I, I, I don't. There, there's, there's no entertainment value whatsoever to this team. But apparently, that's what this ownership wanted because this has been. Ridiculous for about a year now it is a textbook case for trying to and actually succeeding in alienating your fan base. I mean, this is absurd 
what's happening in Cincinnati over the last calendar year. Yeah, to me, this is, I consider this, like, criminal behavior in sports. I mean, that dude stood right out there and said directly to the fans, where are you going to go? And it's like, <laughs> I, this is the kind of thing where MLB needs to step in and say, you are not allowed to do this. Like, you are not. I, wasn't yeah. he, was he the one who implied that their team was like a nonprofit? Was, was not Cincinnati that said that, or was that Baltimore? Seems like it could be. Yeah, it could be either one. Angelo, yeah. Castellini, it's like, yes, we're, we're like. Potato, like, potato. Like, <laughs> no, you're not. Um, I, it, this is absolutely horrendous. I, Cincinnati was a great baseball town not that long ago. They were in the playoffs just a handful of years ago mm-hmm. and really strong fan base. And the owner has basically run off all the fans to where people are either essentially ashamed to continue rooting for this team because, like, there's nothing more frustrating than a team, trust me, as a former Browns fan who went through some years where the Browns were basically like, this is your fault. Like, you're all idiots to the fans. And you're like, why am I rooting for this thing that apparently hates me? Like, why would I do that to myself? Like, and they're not competitive. They're not spending. They're not not spending because they're doing a teardown where they plan to build back up like what the Astros did. No, no. They're just tanking for the foreseeable future. The Uh farm system is not in good shape. They have like three players who are, I mean, there's always something like you can, it's baseball, right? You can find something fun about every team. There's Joey Voto, although even that's getting a little stale, I have to be honest. Um, It's it's getting a little bit too performative. Um, But, you know, okay, Hunter Green, like that's cool. Like there's always something you can watch, but man, you got to work hard to find it. With the Reds, you got to work real hard. Yeah, and I—it's this is just absolutely criminal. I absolutely hate it. I ain't right there with you. I, I for the life of me, I, I don't understand why ownership hasn't been revoked from this team. Yeah, I don't get it. I—is I, it every every single message that Rob Manfred and company want to send about speeding up the game and quality of the game and, 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 you know, making sure that, you know, all these cities have good prosperous baseball teams. It's almost like they took the playbook and did the opposite. Yeah. And it's, well, and it's especially offensive in a community that has historically really, really done an outstanding job of supporting their team. Yeah. Like it's like, I, I feel personally offended by it, and by I the have way, no stake in the Reds. <laughs> by, by the way, yeah, a, a quick a quick look at the map of the United States shows that Ohio is not exactly huge. And mm, yeah, that's there, the other thing. There's another team in that state, Cincinnati. It's like a four-hour drive, guys. <laughs> that you could go to. That, that was my that yeah. was the, that was the most absurd part about where you're going to go. Oh, I don't know. The Guardians are right there. Yeah, yeah, it's. Four hours to Cleveland, uh, you know, to to Columbus to see the Guardians AAA team, which would probably beat the Reds if it played them. <laughs> so, uh, yikes. <laughs> oh, where are you going to go? Well, not that far, actually. Not that far. Uh, this, not- this is what I was alluding to when I was talking about the <laughs> Pittsburgh and Cleveland people flip-flopping on football and baseball. It's like, you know, the Reds people, it's, I know Pittsburgh's closer, but, you know, Cleveland ain't that far from Cincinnati either. <laughs> <laughs> This is how the Guardians sell out all the time. You got, you got, you, right. got fans, you, got, you have three different cities as your fan base. This is how we got such a big TV audience. Like, 
Right? The, the Braves had the superstition. You had incompetent ownership in, around you. Hey, yeah. Whatever, whatever yeah, it takes. Whatever it takes. Whatever. Yeah, what, it's why our TV viewership is so big compared to our, the size of our actual fan base because we're just sucking them in from the surrounding area. Now that there's MLB TV and you can watch it from anywhere, like, how would you watch a Reds game? Yeah, something tells me the Reds are going to come up at our opening day extravaganza when we talk about the worst matchups. Yes. Yes. All, oh, right. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, how about you? Where, where are you at here with this with this Reds fiasco? I'm here to pour lighter fluid on it. Um, yeah, that was good. Um, you know, what does Reds ownership do if they drive to, like, California or Texas? We're in the same state? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> been driving for hours. We're still in the same state. Like, where are you going to go? That's, that's hey. fantastic. Trust me, that also applies to Florida. It takes you twelve hours to get from yeah, Florida there you go to Pensacola. Yeah. It applies. There's no way we're in the same state. Yeah, you're still in the same. <laughs> um, yeah, this this dumpster fire. Um, yeah, it's funny that you made that point. I mean, it's true. Yes, they recently were in the playoffs. Granted, it was the shortened COVID year. Um, they also they didn't finally... score a single run. Still but... That's right. They did but not they a score there. run in two games. Uh, you know what? The previous playoffs before that 2013 and they lost to the pirates so yeah not in the playoffs in 2013 that must have been a weird year just just a quick reminder irby that we were required by our friends out in la to still look at the covid shortened season as an actual season yes yes no i'm saying it is an actual season i'm just for their benefit (laughs) for cincinnati it's like like, Cincinnati, it's one of those, like, you can't really claim that. Like, yeah, we made the playoffs in the last decade. Uh, yeah, uh, technically the, you did. On the flip side, the Marlins also made the playoffs that year. So That's that's true. Well, that's, that's just like, and I'll, I'll here's my F1 reference for the day. That's like Nicholas Latifi saying, I'm a driver. That is true. You are in a car driving around. Not very well, but you are here. So, uh, and that's Cincinnati in, in a nutshell. I mean, that's what it is. You're here. You know, it is, this is, this is the... You know, we have a pitcher who can throw 100 miles an hour over and over and over and over again. Cool. Is he accurate? He can throw 100 miles an hour over and over and over again. It's like, okay, th- th- I don't need this. You know, you've got, um, I mean, my gosh, Jonathan India. Like, th- this is the new sophomore slump, right? Rookie of the year to what? whatever that was last year, my gosh. That was, it's, but um, the bigger bases, Irby, he's going to steal more bases this year, so everything's fine. But, I mean, he does but, have to yes. get himself to first, which is kind That's, of problem. But, and see, and you would think Cincinnati would know that, you know, having had the Billy Hamilton years of, <gasps> yeah, you can be fast, but you got to get on first. Literally um, have to get on. They learned something from something they did before. Yeah. That's nice of you. <laughs> no, it, yeah, that's true. It, you know, it, it's, I don't know. I mean, it, this is dumpster fire upon dumpster fire. And the, the weird ones, the, the, one of the weirdest ones for me is, um, is the Will Myers acquisition. I mean, good job, Cincinnati. You needed somebody out there. But, Will, what are you doing? <laughs> like, I know it's a one-year deal, but... Like, he's got to be sitting there after spending the years in San Diego going, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> like, well, the, the real tragedy is Will Benson, you know, who was traded there, there not of his own. Can you imagine the day before spring training, you waking up and you think you're packing to go to Guardians camp, and it's like, nope, you're going to Reds camp. Like, oh, God. Oh my gosh. 
Well, I, I can't say that we did the same thing with Nick Solak, so we're just as guilty. Of, oh, God, we did right. do that. Ooh. Poor yeah. guy. <laughs> Sorry. My bad, bro. Yeah. My bad. <laughs> it's on me. It's on me. Were you going to fix it? No. No. Um, or what's, um, no. Oh, yeah, I forgot about you. Kevin Newman. Is going to be the starting shortstop for them, so he goes from the Pirates to the Reds. Like that's a that's an interesting career move. I I, I mean, is he aspiring to be an athletic next? Yes. Or is that just reaching too far? Oh man, Oakland. I don't know about that guy. No, no, he's he's going to go play for Vegas. Vegas, yeah, they the better Oakland. He's going to go to the better Oakland. He's going to go to the AAA facility. <laughs> Oh, more on that in an upcoming episode. All right. <laughs> Samantha, the Reds are projected for 67 wins. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going to tell you, you didn't even have to give me the number. I would just take the under. I mean, I think we would have to get down to about 57 before I would start debating a 67. That's hilarious. No, under. Under, no. yeah. Yeah, Irby, how about you? Man, this goes this goes back to our AL East conversations where we're looking at all these '90s and '80s and it's like, where are you getting these wins? Like, who's taking the losses? And then we joked about, well, we must be giving it to Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, and yet they have added 15 wins to Pittsburgh and Cincinnati <laughs> off of last year. 15 wins between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. I don't know what what we have said tonight on Zips. Thank you. Like, like, what have we said tonight that's making somebody go? That's 15 wins. Can I, I want to call the FBI and report fraud. Yeah. This is, wow. So, yeah, under, under. Definitely, definitely another 100 lost season for Cincinnati. <laughs> I'm also taking the under. I, I would be absolutely flabbergasted and shocked, yes, both of them, if they got to 57 wins. So, 67? No. No, that ain't going to happen. All right. That closes out our NL Central preview. Next week will be the AO West. But for now, it is time for the time capsule. Uh, Samantha, where are we going this week? Well, to quote the late, great Prince, tonight we're going to party like it's 1999. Oh, yeah. You guys ready? I actually thought about using 1999 next week. Don't worry, I didn't look at anything. It was just something I was thinking about. So I haven't looked at anything, but I also remember a lot of 1999. So this will be fun. Let's rock and roll. Uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully this will be a good year for you guys. So 1999 was actually the first year where the World Series featured both number one seeds in the divisional era. Uh, it's happened two times since in 2013, Boston over St. Louis, and in 2020 with the Dodgers over Tampa. But who was it this year? Those two number one seeds that ended up in the World Series. All right, so nine, Yankees. Nine, I was the Yankees winning. Uh, is mm-hmm. so who do they beat? I think that's uh, is that the Mets? The Braves. No, it's the, it Bra- the Braves. Mets were the yes. next year. It's the Braves, and oh. they swept them too. Didn't yeah, they? they sure did for nothing. Yep. Like, were any of the games close, or was this like I felt like this was one of those like it was just like a steamroller and a I don't know. Play-Doh, 
you know, yeah, I don't happen. really remember if any of the games were close, but that series sure never fell close. I, it was That was one of the worst World Series that we've seen, I think, in our lifetimes because it was so boring. Oh, right. <laughs> it was just an absolute massacre. So, yeah, two number one seeds, but it was a, a 4 nothing sweep, kind of a no-doubter. Um, Much like the Division stu- Series that year. <laughs> the Yankees yeah. swept Texas. <laughs> yeah, I think, we got, I think we got beat by Oakland. In the division series that year, that was embarrassing. Um, yeah. uh, actually, that might have been 2000. I mixed those two up. Um, but okay, so Super Bowl that year. Uh, anybody want to take a gander at this one? All right, that, that was the 98 99 season. Was that one of the Broncos years? Yeah, it's the second Broncos. Oh, Broncos the second Falcons. two. Yeah, yeah. Is that the Dirty Bird year? Yeah, it was the Dirty Bird sure? year. Yeah, guys, who was the Atlanta quarterback? And this is a bonus question. Who was Atlanta's quarterback in this one? Oh, Lord, I should know this. Not Matt Ryan. Not, no, much too early. <laughs> wasn't um, it Chandler, wasn't it? it was, um, yeah, yeah, there you go. There you go. You got it. You got it. You're going to get that. I forget his first name. Sorry, Chris, Chandler. Chris Chandler. Chris, Chris Chandler. Chandler, thank you. I remember Chandler. Chandler. I'm you wow. that at all, though. Um, Hold on. Good job. All right. I NBA. The running back. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't. Hold on. NBA title this year? Anybody? Oh, gosh. 98. That was uh, uh, Bulls. It was. Uh, no, no, no. We're in 99. 99. So it's right after. This is the beginning of the oh, Tim Duncan era. Yeah, you're right. The Spurs. You're right. That's Spurs. Yeah. That's right. That's right. That's the Spurs. Over who? Oh God, who did they beat for that first title? That wasn't that a that was a lockout shortened season, wasn't it? Yeah. Or was that I don't early, know. Or was that I earlier? Don't, I'm not sure. That might have been earlier. That oh. might have been earlier because because um, the Spurs' first championship was a lockout shortened season, and then and then they went on a run. Um. Yeah, who did they beat in '98? It was good in '98. Ninety nine. Ninety nine. This is ninety nine. Oh yeah, you're right. My bad. Ninety nine. Well, it's also the ninety eight, ninety nine season for the NBA. Yeah, although you know, if that helps like, you, Bo, sure. Football. It does. It, 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 it actually super helpful for basketball. It was helpful for me. <laughs> All right, good. Whatever gets you there later with the music and the movies. No, that's fair. All right, let's see. Um, I don't know who. Who they played? Who did this first? All right. Uh, yeah, I don't know, Samantha. You have to tell us. All right, it was the Knicks, uh, four oh, to one first year. Anybody who was the MVP in the series? My favorite it, NBA player of all time. David Robinson. No, that'd be Tim Duncan. Yeah, Tim Duncan. <laughs> Very good. Thank you. The, the other tower. Yes. The other. The tower. other tower. David Robinson, anybody's favorite player of all time. Um, this is, of course, also speaking of NBA news. Michael Jordan retired for real this time yeah. in 1999. Uh, anybody want to take a shot at the NCAA football title? Oh man, ninety-nine. First BCS national title game. So this is yeah. the 98 oh. season. The game technically took place in 1999. It was the Fiesta Bowl. 
Gotcha. Uh, that would be the not the the real UT, the fake UT, uh, the yes. Tennessee Volunteer. That is correct. You can add me on beat. that one. Oh yeah, they had, they had a pretty good quarterback that Tennessee team. He was he was kind of good. Yeah, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. He, he was related to Eli Manning. Yeah, no, he it's Arch, related, Arch Manning. He's related to Cooper Manning. That's there right. Yeah, go. Cooper. There you go. Yeah. Everyone uh, they beat. They beat uh they beat Florida State that year. That's right. Interestingly, he was not the MVP. The MVP was anybody? wide receiver who played mostly for Buffalo. That helped? No, it doesn't help him. He played for Buffalo. Um Yeah, not at that time. Yeah. Um <laughs> One peerless price. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> nice. There's wow. a throwback name. Um, a little bit. I haven't heard that name since before I had kids. <laughs> I, uh, I, I was like, oh, wow, I forgot about him. Oh, peerless sure. um, All right, and then, of course, March Madness. Anybody Anybody know who won March Madness this year? Uh, March Madness. They bet would be to say Duke or North Carolina, right? <laughs> Um, one of those two lost March Madness this year, but neither one was the winner. Kansas or Kentucky? Nope. Neither one of those was even in the final four. One of the final four participants, uh, had their appearance vacated because of violations over paying someone's nanny. That was Ohio State. They were not in the title (laughs) game, but they did lose their spot. Because the the coach got sued by the nanny for non payment for payments he was not supposed to be making in the first place. Oh Whoops. dear! And then Jim O'Brien got fired. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Michigan State, Ohio State, those were your other two Final Four participants. Uh, the loser in the game is one of those two that you mentioned right off the bat. The winner has yet to be named. Here's a hint: this was oh, this team's God. first Final Four ever. And they won it all. Oh, man. However, you would be very familiar with their women's team appearing in the Final Four. Oh, UConn. Yes. Yeah. I was about to say Florida, but I, no, I went down no, UConn. I don't know yeah, why, I was about to say UMass. <laughs> no idea why. No, that was a couple years. No, 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 no. You're, UMass is a couple years before that. The Marcus Canby years. Yeah. That was a couple mm-hmm. years. You're not terribly off of that. So. Have yeah, yourself UConn, on the back. 77, Duke 74, so pretty close one. All right, guys, movies, music, what do you want to hit first? I'm probably going to be better with movies, Irby, I'll be honest with you. I'm never good with music, so. (laughs) All right, (laughs) movies it is. Anybody, any early guesses, early candidates here? Anybody got anything for me we can knock out? American Pie has got to be in there somewhere. It is, but it's 17th. Wow. Really? Damn. So I watched that in the theaters three times just by myself. I think I saw that twice, actually. I don't, Very rarely. So don't go around telling people that. Hey, everybody love that loved that movie when it came out. It, it hasn't <laughs> aged well, I'll be honest with you. When you watch so, it now, you're like, wow, really? We thought this was funny. I would on it, that. <laughs> yeah. But at All the right. time, it was a thing. 99, so I'm going to start off with, uh, and I'm going to, would, would this be like the double down? I'm very confident I'm going to get my jar of dirt. Yeah. Uh, this would be uh, Star Wars, Episode yeah. 1, The Phantom Menace. Oh, God, yes. you're right. 
Yep, you got a jar of dirt. That movie, yeah. dirt. that movie has no business being number one. I file an official protest. I know, but it's, think about it, man. They had not had a Star Wars movie come out since '83. No, and then they give. I I, I remember I remember being in high school and like showing dudes like, dude, I got a ticket. Then kids listening, this is when you actually had a physical ticket. <laughs> <laughs> your phone. Couldn't use a phone. Couldn't print yeah. on the internet. You actually had to get the yeah. ticket. Yeah. And that ticket just got you into the theater. Where you sat, depending on how early you got blind. Yeah. Oh, man. But so because of the Star Wars, I do also, I know this might be high, but The Matrix, the first yeah, one came that's out that year, good. too. That's number five. Very good. That's number five? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, what the hell did 1999 have in it where Jar Jar Binks is one and Neo is five? Stop thinking Jar Jar. Oh, I can't. People didn't hate Jar Jar as much at that point. It was all, we got Star Wars movie again. No, um, no, no, we did. <laughs> no, we, we did. We, we did. did. <laughs> we did. Whatever, well, I looked past it because we got a Star Wars movie. We saw it. <laughs> we all hated it. Um, okay, so 99. So this is early Pixar. But this isn't like Toy Story One. Yeah, not quite that early, but early. Um, yes. There is a Pixar here. It comes after Toy Story One, but it's relatively early. Pixar. It's not. It's not. It's not Cars, right? No, that's late. That's my um, Oh, there was a Bug's Life. Guys, no, 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 no. Go back to the obvious thing. Oh, Toy Story 2? Yes, there you go. Okay. Wow. <laughs> oh, we should that, was number, that was number four, and it was a November release. So wow. probably yeah. would have been higher had it been released earlier in the year. So, so all, we, all, we had, all we had to do is Darth Maul or Jar Jar whatever you need. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I was fine with Darth, the obvious. Well I, done. Was, I was fine with Darth Maul, but Jar Jar's got to go. Let's just talk about Darth Maul. Everybody wins with Darth Maul. Let's Except not Darth talk Maul. about Star Wars Episode One. How about that? <laughs> yeah, let's let's do that. That's yeah, okay. Hold on. If I have a jar of dirt, I get to talk about it, right? Isn't that the rule? No, that's <laughs> not. <laughs> at all. It's not your time capsule. <laughs> you can't hijack the time capsule with Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Oh God. Um, moves to ninety nine. This is the Matrix. What kind of, like, can you give us, because we got a... Okay, let's see. We have a suspense thriller. Mm. Um, we have a, let's see, one, two comedies, one romantic comedy, one Disney film, one horror movie, and one action adventure. Was the horror movie the remake of Texas Chainsaw Massacre? It's not a remake. Oh, no. Is that too early? It's a for, different that's not kind too, of horror movie. It's not too early for Scream, is it? I think it is. Uh, yeah, the first yeah. two Screams would have come out before this. But okay. no, this was sort of a unique horror movie at the time. People thought it was real. Oh, Blair Witch. Yeah. Oh, good job. <laughs> wow. That you know, was, I have never seen it. The, you know, the, the thing is, like, I've never seen it either. Nowhere, nowhere near as creepy as The Ring. That 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 or the, that that movie oh, yeah. to this day freaks me out. So I don't watch horror movies. 
Good for you because, oh God, the ring. Mm. Nope. No, but there's some there's some decent stuff in here. There, <clears> there's also some not so decent. Actually, I take that back. There's one good movie in here, and the rest of them are terrible. Nineteen ninety nine. There's a good. The action adventure movie is is quite good. Here, it's part of a series, but this is the first one, and this is an excellent film. Uh, very part good. of a series. This is the first. Yeah, this is the first one. It's had a number of sequels. The sequels were not bad, actually, but the original was the best. Um, it's not Bad Boys, right? Bad Boys is like 90... No, no I would have called earlier. that just a straight action movie. This is action adventure. Oh, oh, okay. Okay, I see the difference. Okay, let's see. Action adventure. Yeah, we're more in like the Indiana Jones... Yeah. That realm of action. Oh, uh, the mummy. Yeah. Oh, oh nice. yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Oh, good, yeah. good movie. Good movie. An, an excellent film. Personally, yes. my favorite. Well, that or Toy Story two. Those are the two best movies in this whole. Joe's, showed my boys that not long ago, and they still they enjoyed it a lot. It's oh, great, they, and they like the second one too. Yeah. No, I think the sequels are actually pretty good. Yeah, Return- Brendan Fraser, underrated. Returns yes, was good, agreed. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Returns are good. Yes. Returns also launched the career of one Dwayne Johnson, also known as The Rock. True. Sure. Um. All right. Okay. So uh, there's a Disney in there. Yeah, there is a Disney. Disney. It's not a good Disney. Um, it's an animated Disney. It is an animated Disney. Yeah. All right, animated okay. Disney ninety nine. I've never seen it. This is... That's how bad it was. It was a Disney movie, and I did not see it. That's pretty oh. bad. That's... <laughs> did you see the trailer and just said no? I think, yeah, I think we were now at the point where we were becoming a little bit more discriminating. Thank you, Pocahontas, about the Disney movie, where you're like, oh, maybe they're not all good movies. So, and I, I'm pretty sure we looked at this one and went, yeah, no thanks. I mean, it's actually a remake of an old, there were many movies made about this. This was just the animated version. There's a lot of old black and whites um, of this particular character. Huh. Old black and white, particular, um, and it's, oh, oh, um, Tarzan. Yes, very good, that's number yeah. six. Ew. Okay, so you're missing Yeah, that was, a, that was a bad animation movie. <laughs> Minnie Driver and Rosie O'Donnell singing. Yeah, no, that, not good. I don't know you guys know who voiced these things. I don't know who voiced anything, anything, ever. Um, so... Two, three, seven, and nine is what you're missing. So you have <laughs> two, two comedies, a romantic comedy, and a suspense movie. All right. Okay. So romantic comedy, this is the time of, what, Meg Ryan and Julia Roberts? You, the, t- stick to that second one. Julia, okay, so... Um, Aaron Brockovich? No, 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 before Con- that. Like, Notting Hill... Um, Runaway Bride. There you go. Runaway uh, Bride. Oh, Runaway Bride. Okay. That's number nine. What was the My best friend's wedding. Wow. I need those. I need to go eat some meat. Yeah. Dang it. What about. Move on. Charger. Charger. 
What about the Nets? Is, is this year of the Nets? No. If it is, it was way down the list. I didn't see that. Yeah. Um, Good guess. But yeah, I'm looking for number two is a suspense movie. This one was big, 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 big. I hated it. Speed? Um, no, suspense. Not action. Suspense. Oh. I hated this okay. movie because I figured out the twist, and the whole point was the twist. And I figured it out really early. You figured it out early. So it. it ruined the movie for you, didn't it? And it ruined the movie, yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, it's sort of, it's meant to be scary. It's kind of scary. Like, I don't know. There's there's a very famous line from it that people quoted for years afterwards. Oh, okay, okay, okay. A suspense movie with a quotable line. Yes. A lot of, yeah, I'm drinking. Um, hmm. I see dead people. Oh, God. The sixth sense. Wow. That's right. That's number two. Dang. So, hang on. Just so I know, you figured out that Bruce Willis was dead the whole time early in the movie? Yeah, like 10 minutes into the movie, I went, oh, he's dead. And everybody went, oh, come on. Yeah. We're totally ruined the movie. Uh, you know what? If, if you're out there and you have not seen this movie and I just ruined it for you, I'm sorry. It's been 24 years. It's no, been 24 no. Years. It's been 24 years. No, this movie has been out for almost 25 years. That's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault. That's on you. Man, because I, I honestly didn't figure that out until late in the movie. Like, like I, I, I just, I, I just never put two and two together. But I've always been terrible at that. So there's that. <laughs> Six cents. Right. Wow. Okay. All right, two comedies, guys. One of them is a sequel, um, and one of them is one of many by a person who was a very popular star of comedy movies at this time. Oh, at this time? So, then Adam Sandler? Correct. Yeah. Okay, so um, Water? No, Waterboy. Uh, this this Water is the Boy. one after Waterboy. This is the one after Waterboy. Big Daddy. Big Daddy. Yeah. yeah. That's number yeah. seven. Good job. All right. Now I'm just looking for number three. Big this Daddy is a comedy. It's a sequel. Um, yes, that was a terrible movie. Um, but I really do not like Adam Sandler. So um, this movie was also not good. Um, the number the one that's number three, although the first one was better. Um, not another Adam Sandler, really, right? Not Adam Sandler, no. Another Saturday Night Live person, though. Ooh. Okay. Saturday Night Live alumni. 99. Yes. And it's the sequel. Oh, um, Austin Powers. Yeah. But which one? Yeah. Uh, that was so. That would be. Yeah. Yes, that good. one. Very also good. awful. Very good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. You guys, can I just explain to you that I didn't like the first Austin Powers because I'd never seen a James Bond movie when I saw it the first time and I didn't understand it. <laughs> like I didn't get the entire joke because I'd never seen a James Bond movie. It was like, way funnier later once I realized what they were doing, but yeah. didn't get it at all. Absolutely no clue. Um, all right, so good job, you guys. You got all ten. Uh, some others. Speaking of James Bond, at number twelve, World Is Not Enough. Uh, Austin Powers was, beat out of James Bond. That's kind of sad. Yeah, there's a lot. It Although a lot the World Is Not Enough was not that good. <laughs> It beat out a lot of stuff it shouldn't have beat out. Um, number 27, Oscar winner, American Beauty. 
Uh, number 28, I like this movie, The Thomas Crown Affair. Oh, great film. Yeah. Excellent movie. Uh, uh-huh. Remake, but excellent. Much better than the original. Um, yeah, uh, number Russo. 40, here's a weird one, Eyes Wide Shut. Um, oh, number no. 43, here's where we get into that quote. Do you guys want me to say it? My least favorite line in the history of all movies. Of course. What was number 43, guys? I don't want your life. <laughs> oh, God. Varsity <laughs> 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 It makes me so angry. I hate it so much. Dawson Leary. Oh it my gosh. Gosh, Moxham. Stop. It was horrible. The only, oh, only good accent in that movie was Billy Bob. It's the only one. Billy Bob, yeah. Um, oh, Amy Smart all right, was number, terrible. Uh, number 52, Cruel Intentions. Great uh, film. Whoa. Yeah, which is actually a better movie than it gets credit for. Um, Absolutely. Number, number 53, one of my personal favorites, 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> oh god K- Carrie made me watch that no thanks it's hard so pass. good hard pass it's so I, good I, I, was forced, I was forced to watch that against my will it's hilarious <laughs> um, number 56 Fight Club hey there you go yeah that was number 57 this is really this is a really dumb movie that I happen to like uh, Lake Placid I love that yes yes love that movie that, you know what that oh is? can we that can is, we do that in the off season when we ruin films? Can we do Lake Placid? Somebody write that down. I'll write it down. Yeah, I'll write it down. Yeah, but, we can do that. But that, but that actually cements Lake Placid with its cult status, right? Yeah, oh, yes. sixty-seven is a perfect place for a movie like that, right? Right. But. Yeah. <laughs> like, like to be truly a cult classic, it can't have finished higher than like you know fifty. Correct, and I would argue that that applies to Cruel Intentions as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you could you could say that with Fight Club as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and 10 Things I Hate About You. I know you don't like it, Bo, but most people do. Um, oh. So that one stuck around as well. So um. <laughs> I might watch Lake Placid tonight now. That was awesome. That's a great Thank you for putting film. that in the world. It's a great <laughs> film. Um, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> so many lines that we can't quote on the air. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's see how you do with the music. All right. So... 1999, I remember hearing a lot of Alanis Morissette. Um, nope, nope, too late. That was earlier. Was it? Okay. <laughs> you were just listening to your cassette tape. I was not. I was listening to the mix <laughs> station driving to school. <laughs> so, although, these are, well, here's a hint for you. Uh, of the top ten, there are only two that are men. All the rest are women. All right. Some uh, of these I think you can get. Some of them, guys, I don't know. The song that's at number nine, I've never heard of the artist or the song. Oh, that's so that's, that one's going to be a little rough. But uh, Go I think ahead and give us that one because we're right, never so, going to get those. Okay, that, that, is, that is called Nobody's Supposed to Be Here by a person called Deborah Cox. Yeah, no, wasn't oh. going to get that. No. She was singing about a lot of the top ten movies. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> nobody's supposed to be here. So, yeah, uh, most of these are a little bit more. All right. Uh, All right. So artists will be familiar. If if yeah, you're saying a lot of female, not much male. So this is 99, then that means we're we're at the very beginning of the Britney, Britney Aguilera. Correct. So you'll want one of those. So the first one, baby, one more time. Yeah, that's number five. Okay. And then Christina's would have been genie in a bottle. Genie in a bottle. Correct. And that's number seven. Very good. All right. 
So eight, eight and ten are the men that are on the list. One of them, Bo, is a person who you guess all the time. <laughs> that could be so many people. And uh, you don't like I, I could your tone when you guess it indicates that you don't like this person. Um, that could also be many people. I know. I'm sorry that doesn't narrow it down very much, but. Um, <laughs> Also, none of the movies are going to help us. No. Uh, Back to that. Okay, so no, so not with anything in the top ten. All right, before Thanks. we before we get to the guys, what about J Lo? Is she on here? No. No. Too early for J Lo. She's well. She's uh, twelve. Is if you had my love. So okay. that's her first. I think okay. that was her first single. So that's twelve. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. They're all is, top. All of is, them. Oh. Even the guys? Yes. Even the guys. Although one of them you can say is Latin pop, if you'd like. That should make it really obvious. Oh, Lord, no. God, no. No. Do we have to yeah. say it? Or can we just, our response be, oh. You have to oh. say it. Oh. Irby, you say, say it. it. I'll say the name, you say the title. Oh, no. That's <laughs> not fair. Yeah. This would be... Ricky Martin? Oh. Correct. Oh. Oh. God, what was the name? And what is he living? Oh. What was the name? What's he living? <sighs> Gotta do it, Bo though. Doesn't, Bo doesn't actually know the answer to this. I so know, oh my god. <laughs> living La Vida Loca. There it is. Number two. <laughs> I knew, I, I, I knew the song. I didn't. I couldn't come up with the name, Irby. I'm sorry. That's on me. That's my bad. I, right. Oh yeah, you owe me another steak. Oh no, I do not. I already owe you half. <laughs> um, okay, so the other male is it a single or is it a group? It's an individual. It's one person. Dang. Who later became like an entertainment host? Oh, so God. I don't think Bo likes him very much. Entertainment host. Because because Bo always goes, oh, God, is it? And then asks about this person. That's usually an indicator that I don't like that Oh, I know who it is. Yeah. You know, Bo, this is going to drive me crazy. I know it will. Oh, I don't know the song, but you're going to have to guess it. Um, Bo does not like Sugar Ray. That is correct. Very good. Oh, yes. God. Bo does not like you don't know, you know what song oh, it is? Oh, which, which one of the dumbass Sugar Ray songs is this? Um, when is there a halo hanging over my girlfriend's four post bed? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Every morning. We're on the corner. There you go. There it is. Every morning. Thank you, Irby. I really did not want to say it. Ooh, oh my goodness! God, that, that 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 is like you know, like everyone everyone bitches about Nickelback. Sugar Ray is mine. Like it's just no, God no. I that, you know what was oh. worse though that I just want to fly song. It was a worse song. Oh, you know what? Now it's stuck in my head. Thanks. Yeah, okay, it. well let's get something else terrible <laughs> stuck in your head. Um, Those are more terrible. Yeah, there are some bad ones in here. There, there's a few that are not that bad, and then there's some that are really bad. Like, the number one is um, actually somebody who was famous in the 70s who kind of reinvented themselves as, like, a dance pop singer. Um, she oh. was something very, very different in the 70s. Uh, but she had a very, very big, like, dance pop hit this year. Did I share? 
Yeah, very good. Thanks. Ooh. All right, uh, let's see. Sherry 99, was that... Um, what was that? That was dance pop. Um, believe in life after love. That song? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Um, that's the one. What's it called? called Believe. Oh, I remember. Okay. Yeah, you believe, got the yeah. word in there. So there's a jar of dirt for you, though. Good job. Boom. Um, My first jar of dirt that I actually that's earned. Got your jar of dirt. You got both parts of it, yeah. Yeah. So good work. All right. Um, so we've got four left here, two, three, four, and ten. One of them is an artist who you definitely know, but I don't know if you'll know the song. Um, somebody who was probably bigger in the eighties, uh, in the early nineties. Um, one of them's a group, three people, one of them is now dead. Um, fun fact, she burned one of them burned down Andre Risen's house at one point. <laughs> For you football fans out there, very Andre Rosen playing that Super Bowl? No, no, burned down his house. <laughs> uh, no, no, this happened much earlier, uh, yeah. early nineties. She's dead now, though. Um, not, not as a result of the fire. This could get really weird. Really I, I, I need to stop. I have to stop. Someone's going to get mad at me. Uh, I mean, I mean, it is very important to clarify that. And that's the you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um okay this song was a, it played on a, a term that i think nobody had ever heard until they made it up the song it was a way that they defined a type of guy that they did not want to date oh scribes no scribes tlc yes 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 <laughs> so that was number two okay okay all right so at number three um not I've been seeing them when I leave the hospital. <laughs> the <other> way. <laughs> wow. Okay, you know, 99 was big for Destiny's Child, wasn't it? Uh, no. Was that early? Well, no. I think you're about a year early on. You're early on that? Okay. Yeah. Um, say my name. Say, yeah, I love that song. Yeah, that's one more year. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so you're looking for not Brandy, but the other one named singer. From around oh, this time. Monica. Monica, yes. yeah. Damn it. This is like it? sort of a ballad, I think. I don't know. I didn't like it. Wasn't all of Monica's songs a ballad? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a big fan. Why are there only four fan? songs on this album? Because they're all ballads. <laughs> ballad. <laughs> oh. God, what was the name of like? 99. What the hell was she singing? I got I got nothing. I don't have a... Don't, you're, it's yeah. all you, Darder. Uh, Angel uh, of Mine. That was the number three song that year, guys. I vaguely... Good for, good for Monica. I vaguely remember this song. All right, number four. Uh, this is a, certainly a singer you know well, but you would probably think of her as somebody who was a little bit before this time. Um, also dead. Another dead one. She's dead too. It's <laughs> a running theme. <laughs> yeah, we were all very. No fires here. Sorry, we were Sorry, very sad stop. when she died. She was a troubled individual, but very talented. <sighs> oh, 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 uh, oh, Whitney Houston. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So ninety nine. What was Whitney Houston singing in ninety nine? Like I see, I think of the big one from this album is that "My Love Is Your Love," but that's that what I would. But it's farther, same album, but this was not that song. That one was actually way down the chart, which surprised me. Huh. 
No. Anybody? It's I believe there's an Elvis song. Let's see. Title. Oh, hang on. You got me with Elvis. Okay, let's see. Not, it's not a remake, but I, I believe it's the exact same title. No, no, no. I, I, I know the song you're talking about. I was trying to remember the name of it. Yeah, that's the point, though. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you, Irby. Thank you. <laughs> For explaining the point of time capsule to me, I really appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> oh, hmm. All right, you're out of time. Yeah, I'm out of time. Heart, heartbreak Hotel. Damn it. That's huh? number four. All right, number six, this is the last one. This is a group. It's a group of girls. I'm unclear. There might have been two of them. Could have been three. Could have been four. Hard to say. Um, very cutesy song. I believe it was used in Dawson's Creek at one point. It's definitely on the Dawson's Creek soundtrack, which I definitely didn't own. I did own that. I don't want to wait. Not that one. Not the theme no. song. The okay. other one that gets associated with Dawson's Creek. Okay. I think this was actually part of a movie, too, but... I don't know what movie. Um, All girls group in 1999. Yeah, this was a definitely. This is definitely a one-hit wonder. Um, they're asking you to do something beneath the Milky Twilight. What are they asking you to do? Irby, that's, I, 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 I want nothing to do with Irby, this question. Irby, Irby, that's all you, buddy. <laughs> no, that's all you. That yeah, that's that's yours. <laughs> I, I, I got the kiss nope. me. That's what she wants you to do. She says, oh, kiss me. God. I hated that the song. Band, it's a terrible song. The, the oh, band is called Sixpence None the Richer. Sixpence None the Richer, yeah. Not a great song. God. Um, but very popular and very overplayed. Um, that's, yep. all right. that's why they're Another a one hit wonder. Yes. Not great. Oh, uh, we got paid sixpence. Yes. <laughs> so the highlights or lowlights uh, in some cases. Uh, at number fifteen, I want it that way by the Backstreet Boys, uh, which is probably one of their better songs. Yeah. Actually, not a huge fan, but that was a catchy one. I'm okay with that one. Uh, number seventeen, this is a terrible song in my opinion. All Star by Smash Mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at number eighteen. Everybody hates this song now because it's on the depressing animal commercials, Angel by Sarah McLaughlin. Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> <laughs> number, yeah. number 19. Uh, it was just as bad in the movie they used it too. Yeah. Uh, 19, Smooth by Carlos Santana and Rob Thomas. Ooh. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I think we all, everybody liked that one until it got overplayed. Yeah. Uh, number uh -huh. 34, Scar Tissue by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh -huh. All of these songs on this list. Uh, number thirty-eight, uh, terrible song, but very catchy. Summer Girls by LFO. No, I just that one <laughs> that I like. Girls who wear Abercrombie and Fitch just yeah. haunts me. Yeah. Like forever, it will haunt me. Oh um, lord. Uh, number forty-one, Do Up That Thing by Lauren Hill. Wow. Uh, number forty-two, Mambo Number Five. No. <laughs> 
I have this very distinct memory of like, no, we loved that song when it came out. So I remember my friend and I trying to sync it up on our computers, trying to see if we could get it to play on both computers at the same time. No, no. We had a lot of free time. No. Yeah, Mambo number five. Um, here comes a, another Hard pass. Stop it. Um, <laughs> here comes another cheesy but good one. Uh-huh. Number 53, Miami by Will Smith. <laughs> oh. Uh, and finally, at number 89, early, early days for Jay-Z, Hard Knock Life. How does this work? And then it went all downhill from there for Jay-Z. Weirdly absent from this list. Even though the song was old, you would have thought it got overplayed, but 1999 by Prince, not in the top 100 that year. Really? That was our wow. last song. I yeah, I was very surprised, and, and for exactly that reason, Bo, because everybody who graduated that year, I, I assumed used that as their right. last song. Yeah. Um, but it did not make its way into the top 100, which I, I thought was very strange. I do remember hearing it on New Year's Eve like 300 times that year. Um, but <laughs> 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 actually, it was probably the year before. It was probably on New Year's Eve, 1998. Um, that that got played. Maybe that's why. There's so much music from that era. (sighs) But so completes the time capsule from (laughs) 1999 with a lot of dead people. See dead people. There are dead people in the music. I'm going to stop talking about dead people before someone gets angry (laughs) at me for being disrespectful. Well, hey. uh, Bruce, saw, Bruce saw dead people. Or the kids saw dead people. Yeah. I don't know. Somebody saw dead people. Well, hey. Spoiler, he was dead the whole time. <gasps> well, you, you, you know, Irby, we each got a jar of dirt. We oh, did. Nice. We had another round of bad British accents, and we got to talk about tacos. Yeah, but And I'm going to go watch Lake Placid. <laughs> <laughs> while you eat tacos. So, so good. By, lo- by lollygagging standards, that's like an excellent an eight plus night right there. Tacos, Lake Placid, bad British accents. And the, oh, and the mummy. The mummy. The mummy. The mummy. There you the go. Out, us, outstanding film. Just, you know, no Jar Jar Binks. Please. Why did you have to go and do that? We were having such a nice time. <laughs> Because Irby apparently likes him. That's why. Hey, you want me to start singing Mambo number five? Zip it. <laughs> prefer it to Jar Jar Binks, but. Yeah, not really. I, I went to. I went to. I went to. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for us. We're out of here. Until next week, the World Baseball Classic has begun. So give that a look see. And while you're doing that, if you want to take a listen to the show, give us a like and subscribe and help us out with that algorithm. That'd be very much appreciated by those of us that hate Jar Jar Binks. Until next week. Have a good week, guys. Thank you.